Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Himalaya. You're listening to the Girl with Self-Esteem Issues, a Himalaya learning podcast. To access my Own Your Shit handbook filled with key insights and exercises and to join the community where you can chat directly with me, go to Himalaya.com forward slash Rosie, enter promo code Rosie at checkout for your first 14 days. Absolutely free. I hope to see you there. I'm Rosa Mercado, and this is the Girl with Self-Esteem Issues podcast, where we talk about topics that need to be discussed, especially right now. Today on my podcast is a man who is inspirational. He's amazing, brings great energy, knows how to dance, and uses his art and platform not only to bring beauty to the world, but also to help start conversations. I'm talking about the photographer, the one and only Jerry Metellus. Papi, how are you doing? Welcome. It is fine. Oh, he's getting it down. We're gonna dance. You know, every time you, if you, you gotta get to know Jerry. You gotta dance. You gotta move. Yeah. He brings it. He brings the energy. He brings you the wisdom. To. He brings the best out of you, Jerry. We I'm have gonna worked. keep you in my pocket every day. Mm. You are amazing. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, baby. You know, my typically people ask me how you're doing. I say vertical breathing on my own. Oh. Good start of the day. Mm. Yeah, if we could all if we could all start that day just looking at something positive, right? Come on now. Mm, now more yeah. than ever. Jerry, before Ooh. we start, we're going to start with the quote of the day because we like to start inspired and with good energy. And today's quote comes from photographer Aaron Siskin. And it goes like this. Photography is a way of feeling, of touching, of loving. And what you have caught on film is captured forever. It remembers little things long after you have forgotten everything. Wow. What, what do you think Very about today's nice. Spot on. Spot on. Just earlier today, I was talking to somebody about having, I have my memories in here. But what I love about looking at old pictures, old picture. every time you look at an old photo, it's like a sneak preview to a movie. You look at that frame, you could click on it and suddenly all the memories show up. You'll remember the smells, the people, the, feelings. the space. Just, yep, all the feelings just on looking at that one photo. So it's like the going through, the, scrolling to your memory in the iPad of your brain and you click and things develop just on looking at one photo. Talking about clicking and developing, you have created an amazing career, not only as a dancer, but as a photographer capturing some, oppre- some impressive moments, um, some wonderful beauty how did you start your career and what has it taught you? Who had I start my career? Let's say that when I was, I think, five years old, I had an obsession about I have it, I had to have a camera. And so we were living in Haiti. So I grew I was born in New York, but I grew up in Haiti, family's from Haiti. So I'm living there. My parents are in New York holding the fort. 
and they're sending things from time to time. But I was obsessed. I want a camera. I want a camera. And lo and behold, one day in the box that was sent from New York, open it up and there's a camera. To this day, I remember the smell of the film. Because the one thing that uh, <laughs> I used to do is break everything. I would break all my toys, not because I was destructive, I was inquisitive. I would break them open to see how they work. I was always huh. about trying to figure things out. And so I opened up the camera, yanked the film out, of course, unusable after that. And later in life, I had the same drive. I wanted a, I wanted camera. And I happened to be lucky enough to um, work as a model for a while. And every time I worked with a photographer, I would inundate them with questions. So what's this lens? What does this do? What is this? And I go in an event. At the time, they had a motor drive, which was, will automatically wind the film. So I had this crazy relationship with cameras all the time. And in, when I had the opportunity to leave home, my first trip away from home was Tokyo, Japan, wow. which is where most cameras were made. Yeah. All these camera brands, Canon, Sony, Minolta, Fuji, uh, all that, it's, those are all Japanese brands, Nikon. And those, if you've ever been to, to Japan, it's such an honest culture, it's such an honest society. Imagine like a, any grocery store, you name it, uh, save on Albertsons, Vons, whatever it is, but instead of grocery on the shelves, it's electronics. Nothing was tethered. You could actually pick it up, walk around the store. I would actually pick a camera, go outside on the street and aim the lens around. No one chased after me. No one tased me. I was able to do it that freely. And I started buying cameras. I was making a little bit of money. And when I moved to Paris after that, I was taking pictures of everything, whether it moved or not. And, and oh, click. Fire hydrant. Click, click. And the pictures were horrible. Now, at the time, I was thinking pictures are good because they were exposed, right? Man, and I thought I was to, I'll be the next Vogue photographer. I would take pictures of my girlfriend. She didn't have makeup on. She had zits popping and everything. I'm thinking, yeah, put that red satin kimono on. Those days, those were the days. And little by little, I taught myself by reading. Every time I take a picture, it did not turn out the way I envisioned it. I read on why. And I taught myself how to be a photographer. But you kept, Ta-da. you constantly kept searching and searching to become better and better. And your journey took you through photography, through dancing to some amazing places in the world. Absolutely. So the dancing part was uh, a semi-fluke because I wanted to be more of an actor. And we, uh, so I grew up when in, in Canada, where I grew up in Montreal, I had all my friends and I, we started the dance group because when I was, Oh, about 12, I, I was watching um, Soul Train. So my friend had moved in from New York. He introduced me to Soul Train. I'm watching Soul Train one day, and I see a kid who looked like me doing this. I'm like, man, that's cool. He had those funky steps, and his feet were moving. It was Michael Jackson, and I wanted to be just like him. So I owe Michael Jackson an entire career. Wow. So I started going on stage. We would do uh, little high school shows and I would try to mimic him. And eventually our group became Dancing Machine based on one of the songs of the Jacksons. And so I, so I learned street dance. So we do all the locking and all this, all this kind of thing. Oh, so yeah. I wasn't a trained dancer. So I say that when I 
started working on, on in a show, I acted as a dancer because my legs didn't go anywhere. I was less flexible than and the guys. I could sell a show from the waist up, waist down, not so much. And eventually, uh, I got, I was. I mean, they, they, we don't have enough time for me to tell you the details of how the the serendipity, the inner voice that got me to go to an audition where I had, I'll just show you the very short version. I was at home, flat broke, my girlfriend was on tour and I saw on Monday she was going to come back with some money from that tour. It's um, Sunday night and all I have, literally cash that I have, this is before bank cards, ATMs, even if we did, there was no money in the account anyway. And the voice says, go to the club. There's a club I used to, I used to go, be a regular at where I met all these dancers, all these incredible people. The voice says, go to the club. I'm like, I'm not going to the club. I got enough money for one subway fare in one way. That's it. So after I spend that money on that ticket, it's I would done. have to walk home two hours because I'm living in the suburbs. And the voice kept saying, you have to go. I'm like, no, I'm not going. Finally, I said, fine. I took the very last subway in and made it to the club, go downstairs. First person I run into is this guy, Jimmy, this dancer I used to run into. How you doing? Oh, I'm all right, man. I'm in a scam. We were doing this rehearsals with this guy, but he's not paying us. He goes, we're an audition tomorrow at the art theater. You should come and see. I'm like, man, I'm not a trained dancer. He goes, man, I've seen you on the dance floor. If I can do it, you can do it. The slight detail he forgot to mention, he had 50. 15 years of classical training. Little detail. Short of the story, I go to the, I show up to the audition, was falling all over my face, but he had told me no matter what you do, no matter how much you mess up, smile. Because the director loves personality. So I fell all over my face with a lot of personality. And in an audition of 60 guys and 120 girls, uh, the first day, the five were picking. Every time they kept saying you, I'm like, you're keeping me? Okay. And then they asked me to come back on Friday, which was very odd to me. So on Friday, I came back, made it through two very quick rounds. And they, say, and they picked five people. I was one of the five. And then he goes to this guy, Steve Gawk, and myself, go and sign your contract right now. Wow. Like, wow. And now I would have jumped up and down, except I would say, uh, I'm sorry. I've not seen your show. I cannot possibly sign a contract for a show that I've never seen. Cojones. And so I go in. I, my girlfriend comes in. She walks. She happened to come and pick me up at the theater. They gave her a job on the spot because she was beautiful. They had her try on a costume. Both of us were hired on the spot. Go see the show that night. It was the best show in Paris at the time. Wow, Jerry, what did that, so what did that teach you in that moment to be able to listen to your inner voice saying, go do this? And you're oh, like, no, honey. go do this. How many times have you that, listened so, to the voice and you're like, I got to listen. Now I know I've listen. learned my lesson. I got to listen. And at that time, at that point, I should have known because I've, I have a list of stories I could tell you about the inner voice saying something and the ego comes in and tells you, well... And you go, man, I should have listened. I'll give you an another quick one. I'm in college, fully dressed. I'm going to I'm going to school. There's a belt on the bed. The voice says, grab the belt. I'm like, don't need no belt. I'm fully dressed. 
use the restroom while I was in uh, at school, getting back dressed, pulled the belt, it snapped in my hand. I needed that belt that was on the bed. Every single time, I've, what I've learned is surrender. Because whenever I said, ah, I, said, I got this, they say, okay, disengage autopilot, disengage autopilot, he's got this. And I'm like, you know, get And they say, are you ready to listen? And every time you surrender, all goes well. It's written. You don't know the path, but it's already laid out for you. What do you what do you think it takes to surrender? How do you let the ego go where it doesn't get involved? Because Ooh. the ego is the one that just whew, it an ego is strong. Ego can Girl. be so strong. How do, how let do me tell you something? Uh-oh. Let me tell you something. I have a little thing is called become your own sound engineer. And what it is is how to find your inner voice because ego, okay, so our inner voice is the fingerprint to our soul. It's unique, it's designed for you and you only. Mm -hmm. Ego and fear makes us question that. And so we're always going for approval from someone else. The, the, there's two quick examples. You're hungry. I said, oh man, I should, hey, you wanna go eat? Friend says, no. Okay, I'll wait for you. Wait, I thought you were starving. No, but I'll wait. We'll wait for someone else's approval to go eat. Or people say, oh, hey, Jared, Jared. What do you think of her, man? There's something about that girl, man. Mm. Think I should go? Don't ask me. I'm not the one going to be dating her. Go. Figure it out. But people are constantly looking for approval, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But your voice rate told you what to do. But you're going to second guess it. How to find your voice is tough because it's buried under so many other voices. So becoming your sound engineer is this little story I came up with. It goes back to the the days of big old tapes it could still work today but when you do a recording you have identified every single track and track one is piano two is guitar three is drums vocals vocals and the key is when you have all these tracks laid out and it's time to mix your song let's imagine let's go for a second that someone deleted the program where all the tracks were uh were named so now you have all the recordings, but you have no idea what's on what. What do you have to do? Take all levels down to zero and take the time to re-identify each track one by one to put the names down again. And the most important part when you're doing this, identify the lead vocals. Once you got the lead vocals, which is your inner voice, put it to level 10, circle in in red, and don't ever allow any other anything mm. instruments are to go past level seven to never overtake your lead vocals mm. and when it's time to engineer your song you're going to produce it you'll go you know what let's see we're doing the ballad ballad okay so if you do the ballad you don't need to bounce bounce down the big old slamming uh funky bass you'll need a piano you need a cappella whatever it is you need so now you've identified the tracks, you don't put it in there, right? So when you're doing your life song, how that manifests, every, this big slapping bass was that people say, you never amount to nothing. You're stupid. Every voice that does not belong in your life song, you put the levels down to zero. Mm, mute that. Lead vocals up front, mute them bitches. Mm. And can I say that? Yeah, and then, you say whatever you feel. Yeah.
Oh, baby. And then you figure, who's going to be my backup singer on this one? My mom used to always tell me, son, words of wisdom, words of encouragement. That's going to be in my, in my song. Anything that's going to bring harmony to your life song, you keep them in your tracks and all the others. You don't delete the track because sometimes you need some of that chaos to help you find your bearings again, right? Mm-hmm. But when you do all the mixing, you could bring anything you want, but you never allow any other instrument, a person to take over the song. You let someone have a solo for a minute. Then when you go back to the mic, you touch the mic, they fall back and your lead vocals are up again. Mm. Sometimes we need someone else to speak for us. Sometimes we need another voice. We need someone to take over for a minute. But when we're back, we're back. They fall back. And anyone who insists on having their instrument or their voice at level 10, delete. Because wow. they're not wanting your love, your life song. They want their own. Well, bitch, it's my track. You've got to go. I'm oh. not going to fight your guitar solo for my song. You've got to go. Got to go. Oh my God. That's, that's a lesson. That's, that's a that lesson that's engineer. so important. Why my yep. voice matters. And I, and if you're listening right now, I just want you to repeat what he said. My voice matters. Negativity goes on mute. And what do we tell them? What do we tell them, Jerry, when we put them on mute? Crack your voice back up is what I say. Mm. Delete them bitches. Delete, 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 delete. delete, delete, delete. Yep. It's so important. Yep. And, and now more block, than block ever. It. We have to learn oh. how to, now more than ever. Ooh. But see, here's the thing, though. I encourage people to speak. You know why? Because you want to know who, okay, 1994, they were trying to pass legislation where hate parades will be banned. In other words, uh, if you have white supremacists walking down the street, they wouldn't be allowed to do that anymore. I said, no, 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 no. Let them march and take pictures. I want to know who's who. I want to know that this guy walked in here. So if I walk in an office and I see him, I remember you from, ah, that's who you are. Got you, got you. Because that's nice suit fools everybody. Mm. But a nice suit, a beautiful long ties, anything. Oh, this is a nice person. They look, they look professional. They're professional mm. killers of souls. Wow. Because where they can no longer legally come after people since civil rights, they can no longer legally come out and stop someone who does not look like them. They find legal ways to assess. They can assassinate you, but they can assassinate your soul. They can assassinate your opportunities. Mm. And you want to know who they are. What is the biggest conversation of your life and what has it taught you? Ooh, biggest conversation. Wow. That's a one, tough one. One that you said, I don't want to talk about that right now, but you're like, the more you avoid it, the more pain it causes. Um, well, actually, what I've learned, see, okay, let me go back a little bit. I used to be the worst people pleaser on the planet. Couldn't really? say no to nobody. Oh, honey, I couldn't say no to save my life. Anybody wanted something? Oh, hey, sure, sure, whatever you want. Hey, you want that? Someone would say to me, hey, you, you want to go get some Chinese food? And my brain is going, no, I want Italian. I go, sure, if what you want, sure, okay. And the whole time I'm there eating, you say, you okay? Yes, yes, I just had something on my mind. But I was miserable. I was miserable because I was surrendering to everybody else, but it connects to what we're saying about the inner voice. 
I was giving every every other voice, every other instrument was on level 10, and I shriveled my down to level two. Mm-hmm. My inner voice was a whisper buried under the chaos of all the others because I've allowed them the power over mine. Mm-hmm. Did that for years. Until one day someone called me a hypocrite. I went, <laughs> what? I don't know if I want anything to do with you. I heard you're a hypocrite. So in the moment, like, yeah, why are you tripping? Whatever. On the inside, oh my God. Because when you're a people pleaser, you're constantly concerned about what people think of you, right? So what I've learned is when you turn your back to the middle, the center of you, your core, and you're a pleaser, you run around the perimeter trying to make everybody in the perimeter happy. 360 degrees, mm-hmm. you're running around, running around. That's so exhausting. By the t- girl, by the time you're over here, you're getting good and you're running this way, you cover 90 degrees, but you're concerned about, did I, did I do anything? Are they upset with me? You're worried about what you just passed. And then you know you have 90 more degrees to cover. You're worried about what they might think. What should I wear? How should I present myself and all that? So if you're concerned about the past, worried about the future, where are you never in the present? And I learned to go back to the center and from the center, go back, radiate one degree at a time to the perimeter of the circle and whisper my voice at first and did okay. And when I realized I was being accepted, I tried again and tried again. And when I covered 15 degrees in that circle, I'm like, cool, this feels comfortable. And I realized instead of me stretching myself to 180 degrees try to cover all bases i can just rotate not move my 15 be a solid 15 degrees and aim to whoever i need to deal with that way and the biggest takeaway from that realization was there's 360 degrees in a circle i'm occupying 15 if you don't like my 15 degrees maybe there's 245 degrees left for you to enjoy please go ahead Go ahead. I no longer stretch myself thin for people. I'm happy to lean left, lean right to help, but no. And the good news about that is there's a sense of peace when you get to that place of contentment of knowing who you are. You have a clear vision of where you stand. There's no need for war. You come at me whatever. I've never, I was talked to a friend who's known me for Gosh, 40 years. I mean, I have friends who've known me for 50 years and never seen me mad. They see me irritated, but mad cussing people out. I you won't go there. You won't I go there. How, so how do, you, how do you have that self-control? That self-control well, of saying it's not that important for me. How, how have you learned not to react with anger? Well, I wish I could take credit, but I can't. Uh, one of it, there's two fundamentals. You know, nature and nature and, and nurture, right? Tell me about nature and nurture. Blood. Tell me about nature and nurture. Yeah, the way I'm my my predisposition is calm. I don't speak I used to worry a lot, but when you realize the worries in your head because you're mm-hmm. listening to the crazy voices, but when I listen to my own voice, my own voice is chill. It's not erratic, it's not all that. So when I was caught up in things, it was ego and fear talking. But the true me, the true self, is more like mellow. I was pretty mellow. And I grew up in a family of mellow people. So when there's a problem, I'll give you a good example. Talk about uh, things that happened. So I grew up in Montreal. And I was the only black kid in school at the time. And man, I had all kinds of people. 
I had kids throw me in the snow, rub my face in the snow. We're going to make you white. Have kids spit on my face. Go, you're dirty. Go wash yourself. Um, And all crazy stuff like that. And I was more confused because in Haiti, everybody's black. So you don't understand racism because you're in a black country. And the relationship you have with white folks, the white folks are happy to be vacationing. So they're pretty much chill. And if you're a racist, you're not going to go to a black country. So I didn't experience racism growing up. So when I faced that the first time, it was more, it was more confusing to me. And one of the things they would do, they would dance around me in the schoolyard, say, like ring around the rosy, say, chocolate face, chocolate face. They all call me chocolate face, chocolate face. So one day I was kind of down. I went home. I told my dad, they keep calling me chocolate face. And my dad, talk about chill. He goes, so? Did you call them vanilla face? Mm. Huh. I went to school. And they started, chocolate face, chocolate face. I went, vanilla face, vanilla face, vanilla face. Face, but in the face, went, huh? Scratch your head and walked away. Never bothered me again. And that's when I understood inside it that little seed, your voice matters. And when I became, so I never, to this day, 62 years old, baby, I've never had to use these once in my life. I've never been in a fight, never attacked. People come at me, I go, now I've got close. Well, I was in Paris with a couple of situations. I told the guy, you don't understand. You need to leave because. To me, once you resort to violence, it's like if you own a gun. If you own a, you don't, you never pull a gun. If you're, if you're a responsible gun owner, you don't pull it out unless you're going to use it. And when you pull it out, the moment you put your finger on the trigger, it's game over. Game over. Game it's over. Game over. Otherwise, you never put your finger on a trigger ever. By the time you do that, so this to me is my finger on the trigger. If we, if you get me to do this. One of us was gonna be be, be one of us is gonna be left behind. Mm. Not promise it's gonna be me. Not promise it's gonna be you. We're gonna figure it out. But I don't think any of you want to do that. And so I've always found the the path. It's not the path of least resistance. Is to figure out to the maze of all possibilities the most peaceful ones. Mm. And talking about peace, peace goes hand in hand with beauty. You've captured entertainers, dancers, people around the world, and you've captured some beautiful, beautiful images. Thank you. Being surrounded by beauty all the time, what does beauty mean to you? Ooh, tricky one. Did you ever see the movie Shallow How with- Yeah. Um, okay. I love that Jack movie, Black. Shallow How with Tony, right. Tony Robbins and uh, uh, yes. uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Right. Yes, I love exactly. that movie. Absolutely. and. I'm kind of wired that way because I'm, I was given the gift of intuition. So I actually read souls. If you give me a picture of someone, I'll tell you what the person's about. I read personalities. I can't read past, present, and future, but I could tell you. So when someone walks in the room, I'll tell you what they're about. So I have to photograph them. Uh, when someone asks me, how do you get people to do that? I said, I don't have a formula. What I did realize I do is twofold. One, I meet you the first time I talk to you because I've known you for five years. And two, I go inside your gut, find your true beauty and come out and paint you back with it. So when you leave, you recognize yourself, right? So that in itself is what I see in somebody's soul. So I don't judge beauty by any standards other than what I feel about the person. So my approach is a little different. And that's what I love. 
Thank you, love. And so what I, I may appreciate the layout of the magazine. I could appreciate different things. I could appreciate the commercial aspect of how to beautify things. And I've had discussions when people uh, are telling me, those Photoshop is this, that, the other. I said, no, man, it's marketing. And I'll say, did you, when did you ever eat a burger that looked as plump and juicy as the one you saw on the billboard? No, when you buy the burger, the, the, the bun's all <laughs> creased up. Patty's about this thick, brown and dry. The lettuce looks like yellow, it's dying on the side. And the tomatoes running. It's not big, fat, thick slice freshly picked out of the garden looking tomato and the lettuce all nice and crisp with a little drop it like it was picked from the garden and That's when, you, when you photograph a home you don't have toys on the floor you make the home as beautiful as possible same thing you buy a car it looks all satiny right when we're selling stuff we make it uh inspirational and we 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 sell a dream but the reality of photographing people to, to sell more of such a sense of reality, you find the inner beauty and you enhance it. And whatever that is, you just bring that out. And then beauty is everywhere then. Beauty, beauty is everywhere. What do, yes, you think people, what do you think people are missing to see their own beauty? What do you find when, when, when you're on set? Because I see, I see how you work. I, I've worked with you and there's just something about you that captures and helps build that self-confidence. You, you help build that self-confidence. You motivate. There's this energy of happiness and youth and excitement and we dance and we laugh. But when you look at, at all the people that, you, that you've worked with, why do you see they, that, that they can't see their own beauty? The toxicity that goes back to the inner voice. Because we've had, we carol these voices that told us all the things that we're not supposed to be. All the things that we would not achieve. And and, and the industry is kind of partially responsible for that, to get people to believe they're not enough. Get more cream, get more this, anti-wrinkle this, anti-zips, all this, all these notions of you are not enough. And I've had a couple of heated discussions with a couple of Christians because I say one of the first lies we're told is we're all created equal. And I don't mean equal in the eye of God. I'm talking physical, we're not created equal. If we're all created equal, we'll all either be basketball players, singers, performers, whatever that is, scientists, mathematicians, but we're not. We each have our gift. And that gift, if your family tree is a shrub, don't sue the NBA for discrimination. You'll never be taller than four feet. Sorry, basketball is not in your future now. Can you work in a basketball organization? Can you own the team? Can you do other things? Can you be involved, but you will not be on the court trying to dunk on LeBron James? You're four feet tall. That's the reality of things. And oftentimes we forget that we're not all giants on the inside. You could be a four foot giant because you have this massive destiny to get to, but to find that you have to look inside, not, oh, I want to be like this person. No, I want to be like this person. You got to find your own purpose. And that's the part. Yeah, and yeah, that's the part I was blessed to have the intuition I could bring that to people and water it a little bit, sprinkle some stuff and make it sprout so they could see it and hopefully they leave with that, with that truth. Mm. A little bit bigger than when they came in. This is where we call it Rosie's Takeaways, where I ask my friends and my guests, what is a moment of adversity that moved you forward, that there was a big lesson left for you behind? 
Ooh, actually, the, one of the ones I was thinking of, I just mentioned before about dealing with racism. But what, um, among other things, it, you know what? I think the biggest bits of adversity for me was finding my own demons, finding the, uh, the insecurities, the feelings of not being good enough. Because, you know, I was growing up, I had a lot of, you're not worth nothing. You ain't going to be, you're going to amount to nothing and all of that. And so you, walk, you carry those beliefs with you. And the moment you get to realize it and you get to know that what people tell you is an aspect of the truth, it doesn't equate at all to your own truth. And the, the quicker you find your own truth, and when I was able to, I was lucky enough to travel. I traveled around the world. And the beauty of doing that is not to stay with the enablers. Too much enabling disables, right? Mm -hmm. So the people that allow you to, to have your flaws, to be who you, who you thought you were. And um, so when I got to, to, to leave and go to other countries, people didn't, didn't let me get away with anything. I used to interrupt people all, all the time because I had so much to say and I couldn't wait to say it. So back home, they say, yeah, that's Jerry. He just cuts off and it's, it's irritating, but he does it. And over there, they were like, I don't work here. You don't do that. That's rude. And then what I learned to do when I was really made aware that I, I interrupted, for the longest time, I would talk to people like this. I would pinch my lips, and while I'm listening, I would really? say, shut up and listen, shut up and listen, shut up and listen, repeatedly, repeatedly, until I no longer needed to pinch my lips, to develop that habit of not interrupting. True story. Wow. Shut up and listen. I like shut that. Because sometimes, so sometimes, sometimes we, sometimes we, sometimes we do need to shut up and listen. Our voice is powerful, but sometimes we do need to we listen for growth listen to expand, listen to, to become better. This day, this day and age, more than ever, I'll talk about my Facebook, I have a Facebook live I do twice a week and I talk a lot about racial issues. And then people comment. The other day, what I said to this one particular person, I find it interesting, you come here as a white woman telling black folks how they should be borderline how they should feel or what they should do about what's going on how they should talk about the looting and the rioting and i'm trying to tell you well there's a frustration i disagree with the looting and the rioting but you have to understand there's a pain there's a frustration this is there's history behind all that and you keep telling me so i said to her maybe just maybe instead of telling a black person who they should be how they should feel maybe just maybe you should ask and then mm. listen. That would Instead of telling me, difference. ask me, ask me. Ask but you already me. made it, you do a conclusion. You, you, you made a decision and you never bothered to ask. I'll be like me deciding what women, you should, there's a room, I'm in a room with five women and I'll be the one to tell them this is what's up. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. You have so much wisdom. I love you. Um, thank you for you sharing, too, sharing, sharing those moments with me. I love your energy and I can't wait to see you again. And just thank you for being on the Girl with Self-Esteem Issues. Where can people follow you? Because you create some amazing conversations online and you get the conversation started and you get involved. Where can people find oh, you? Gosh, yes. 
these conversations on my Facebook page, Jerry Metellus. It's an open page. People, everybody can come in, participate. And I have the rules in my page, civility and kindness. If you start insulting people and all that, I have no problem blocking you. I don't care who you are. Yeah, I'm always open to any conversation. Everybody's voice is as valid as the other. I have friends on both sides of the aisle and I demand respect, mutual respect and civility. Beyond that, let's talk and learn from each other. And that's what life is about. Jerry, thank you so much for being on the podcast, The Girl with Self-Esteem Issues. I'm sending you a big hug and just thank you. Your voice and the way you use it is impactful. Yet most people barely give their voice a second thought, let alone invest the time needed to learn to improve it or use it to maximum effect. Words help us to stand up for ourselves and our values. Today, I'm gonna give you some ways in which you could use your voice in an empowering way. You can use the power of your voice to forgive someone. You can use it to show some gratitude and some love and affection. You could also use your voice to empower your tribe, your family, and your friends. You could use your voice to lift up someone older than you, and finally, to empower someone younger than you. Never forget how important and powerful your voice is. When you own your voice, you own your life. It makes a positive change in our world when you use it positively. Remember, I'm always here to help, always here to grow with you. Thank you for listening to The Girl with Self-Esteem Issues. If you want to hear more about my journey, be sure to check out my memoir, The Girl with Self-Esteem Issues, available in both English and Spanish through HarperCollins and Harper One. You can find the link to purchase in the show description or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening to The Girl with Self-Esteem Issues, a Himalaya learning podcast. To access my own Your Shit Handbook filled with key insights and exercises and to join a community where you can chat directly with me, go to Himalaya.com forward slash Rosie and enter promo code Rosie at checkout for your first 14 days. Absolutely free. I hope to chat with you there.